0: Why can't everyone just go to bed?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, this this, this is your uh, rule of life. You're like, it's 9 o'clock, it's bedtime. Guys,
0: everybody go to bed. Everybody just be quiet. Shh. We're all in this together. We all have to survive another day tomorrow. Let's just go to bed and be very responsible. Hey, you're listening to The Whiskey Topic. I'm Jamie. And
1: I'm Mark Bylock.
0: And we're talking Irish whiskey today.
1: So Jamie, I thought we would start with what Irish whiskey is. Irish whiskey and scotch are very, very similar. They're both uh, typically aged in previously used American or European oak. Um, Irish whiskey tends to be triple distilled, but that's not a rule, just like uh, Scottish whiskey tends to be distilled twice. But uh, there are distilleries that triple distill, and that means taking away some of the grain flavors. The one unique thing to the Irish whiskey is they're Okay, some distilleries will use a combination of malted and unmalted barley when uh, fermenting whiskey. And this gives the whiskey a lot of a greener notes. So if you take a like freshly cut grass or you, if you were to splinter uh, branch and those kind of greenish notes, you'll get a lot of those on the nose and on the flavor. But otherwise, they're very similar. Um, triple distillation does cut out some of the grain flavor that you would normally find. So a very malted, you won't find as many malty flavors, perhaps, depending on how the whiskey was made. And I will say also, interestingly enough, the reason why Irish whiskey was unmalted and malted uh, was to get around some tax laws from the 1700s and 1800s where the UK would tax only unmalted barley. Scotland also did the same thing. They also did unmalted and malted barley to get around some tax laws. But the moment those laws changed, Scotland went back to 100% uh, malted barley, whereas some producers in Ireland still use unmalted
0: barley. This is making sense to me. And and, and I I had some... Irish whiskey last night after I got home from the bourbon event and just to remind myself I don't drink it on on a regular basis but I've got obviously I'm a whiskey drinker so I'll drink any kind of whiskey Um, it's just not my go-to and when you were talking about green that is exactly that's it that's 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 the flavor green if you could make a flavor into a color that's what it would be so what are you drinking right now?
1: Well, let's, so I'm going to be doing, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm like having a common relationship with this Redbreast 12, because I feel every whiskey tasting I've done in the last month and a half, <laughs> I've included it in the, uh, in the whiskey tasting, but I'm drinking Red Breast 12.
0: Lucky you. It's a nice one, actually.
1: It is. I am just pouring it out now. So it's uh, Gonna be freshly poured, and I'll give it a little bit before I start tasting it and nosing it. Um, but it's from the same distillery that makes Jameson. It's from Middleton. It's own. Uh, it's owned by a different company that like distributes the whiskey. But it kind of like in Canada, in Ireland, they don't have a lot of different distilleries. Um, so there's a lot of shared resources going on there. Redbreast is triple distilled, so you're gonna have again that that stereotype that Irish whiskey is triple distilled. Jameson is triple distilled. Um, what that means is it goes through an extra distillation process. Most single malt scotch is double distilled, but something like an Auchentoshan is also triple distilled. There's no rule saying it has to be. Uh, but with triple distillation, you're going to get a little bit less grain flavor. Um, so it's going to be a little—it's going to be a little less of those green flavors we talked about, malted and unmalted. You're going to lose a little bit of that, but the focus is going to come for the towards the wood. So it's really that 12 years spent in um, reused oaks and reused barrels, rather. Uh, it's really going to come through more so, and it's going to be. More of an even drink. It's uh, I've had it so many times now. I like I said, it's I feel like I've uh, I know it too well. Uh, but it's a very even, smooth drink. But it's got a lot of flavor and character to it.
0: And and I'm drinking Writer's Tears because it's the one I've got sitting right next to me that I poured a little while ago. So I'm, I'm I mean I'm ready to go on it. Do you um, you, you mentioned uh, that Writer's Tears is actually a blend of two different kinds of other Irish whiskeys?
1: Yeah, Writer's Tears is a blend of pot still or the malted, unmalted whiskey, a combination of the two from Middleton's distillery. And it's also, it's blended with a single malt whiskey, so 100% malted barley from Bushmills. And that's why Writer's Tears is called a pot still and not a single pot still, because the single says one distillery. It comes from two different distilleries. Essentially a blended combination of single malt Bar, uh, malted barley and unmalted and malted barley combination. So, it's it's a bit of a it's it should have a lot of flavor. It should have a lot of de- interesting notes.
0: Yeah, I'm really I'm I'm that's nice. I'm just it but, like it's it's very green and and as somebody that drinks bourbon um it's it's quite a a very it's a, it's a nose that I'm not familiar with not
1: like an old friend yet but maybe we'll get there yeah i i like um i, I somewhere somewhere in the book I, I write this um it's funny how i wrote a book and i don't even know what pages i wrote things on mm-hmm. uh, but i cannot remember which chapter this is written but somewhere i i said um i like irish whiskey a lot when um uh, and the kind of the stereotypical Irish whiskey which would just be pot still, triple distilled um, for thing activities like reading because it doesn't occupy so much of your attention but they are very delicious, flavorful drinks. They're not just, they might not just be over the top. So if you're a bourbon drinker,
0: you know, this is a bit
1: mellow, this is a little bit calmer, you know, you're not going to get as much of that, that wow factor. Um, but I think for that reason, it's an interesting whiskey because it, it kind of calms, you know, it calms you, you've got to, dig a little deeper for that flavor and get a little bit more from that drink. And uh, with time, you do get rewarded. With a good drink, um, you know, Red Rest 12 is an excellent drink. Writer's Tear is an excellent drink. Um, they, they're all... Um, you do You do get rewarded with time, but it's kind of like having a, a fine meal where it, the flavors are very subtle as opposed to a meal where the flavors are very bold. Um, and so sometimes, you know, that takes a little while to get used to.
0: I had my sip, and I enjoyed it It, it's you you're bang on when you say uh it's a little more subtle it's more mellow um it's like the flavor itself is bright and Mm -hmm. clean and crisp and um appley and grassy and i really like that it's it's just like you said you can sort of sip it and not think too much about it. It's a very sort of comfortable drink. Um, and it just sort of finishes nice and clean. It's, I mean, I think there's a time and a place for every whiskey and I could definitely see myself drinking this sort of, maybe it's a great summer whiskey.
1: You know what? It would be a great summer whiskey, and um, you can tell. uh, I think the writer's tears. I, I you know, writer's tears. I I just find a lot of writers drink it or buy it because that has the name writer's tears in it.
0: It's a fantastic bottle, by the way. Yeah, fantastic looking bottle. Yeah,
1: it's it does um, it does have a lot of. I, I would say, you know, more bourbon like finish, right? Because it's got a little bit of still spicy notes that kind of come through. So, do you find that familiar as a primary bourbon drinker, or do you just, it's not giving you enough of that forward flavor to.
0: It's not get giving there. quite. I'm sort of, I'm tasting, it's grainy. Like, I find it to be grain, uh, cereal, sort of, but I'm not quite getting that spicy kick. So yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not getting it but some people might but uh it's it's more barley like it's it's sort of beer-y and barley-y um and grainy um, but i'm not finding any sort of i i'm not really drawing a parallel with
1: Right now. It is kind of bizarre where um, your mind goes when tasting whiskey. So, for example, when I was uh, in, when I was uh, doing research for the book, I tasted Locke's uh, eight-year-old whiskey, and this is an older production. This one was made in uh, the '70s, I think. It was a, it was uh, before the distillery was closed down. It was an eight-year-old whiskey, single malt single malt uh, Irish whiskey, and it just had a lot of barley flavor. It when I had it, I just kept thinking of that sweet, complex barley grain, the malted barley. And it took me right back to Scotland. I was on a media trip there with uh, with chefs. And I realized that chefs, the reason why they're very good at what they do, just like I drink a lot of whiskey, they eat everything. And I, we were literally walking the malting floor. And you know, during the mol- malting process, there's several stages. And the um, barley is brought in. It's then... Uh, it's then uh, made wet so that it starts the germination process so that it starts converting the starches to a sugar. And then you put it through various stages of drying until it goes into the, um, into the kill and it gets dried to so to stop the germination process completely. And anyway, um, the chefs, when we were walking that malting floor, the chefs were just tasting everything, literally grabbing all this barley and they were just like tasting and it, tasting and it, tasting. It. And I thought, hey, it's a good idea. So I started to do, to do the same thing. So the moment, and so I have this such a, such a great memory of walking this malting floor uh, with these great Canadian chefs and tasting barley at various stages and wondering how those flavors come through after fermentation and distillation. So it's interesting how, where your mind goes when you drink whiskey. So when I had this Lox eight-year-old single malt whiskey, I I tasted it and it just brought me there right away.
0: The more I'm drinking it, the more I'm sort of, I'm getting different things. I actually did um, a tasting and I can't remember where. Um, and this is kind of a off topic thing, but I, they sort of taught us to do three sips kind of in a row, three drinks, like one, and then right, right after do another sip and then right after do another sip. Um, and how it changes sort of through doing that kind of tasting. I mean, I'm sort of getting more and more comfortable with this the more I'm drinking it. And actually, to be honest, the more I'm learning about it, I'm more interested in sipping it again and seeing what else comes out for me. So, um, yeah, I, the barley is a big, different, very obvious thing for me, but I'm not not enjoying it. I think this is this is quite interesting. I like this. I like this.
1: Yeah, I, I like that strategy of of sipping at least three times. The Drink will change in the in the glass a little bit, and it will definitely mature um, over time. Uh, Just because you know there are a lot of components that are just popping out of that glass, the alcohol, the alcohol brings with it other lighter molecules. So, you know, there's there's no oxidization happening, but the the glass will change. And the first sip is usually um, defines kind of where the tasting is going, but it really acclimates your palate. So if you haven't had which I know, and Jamie, not your case this isn't true, but if you haven't had whiskey in like a, a month, that first sip is always going to be very tough. That is
0: baritaph. not the case. That is not No, the case no, no.
1: This was uh, last night. There was Pappy <laughs> and other things. That's right. Uh, but um, so that, that it, it takes a moment for the palate to kind of be like, okay, and especially if you drink one type of whiskey more so than the others, that first sip isn't going to give you that satisfying reward because it's going to, you know, you're not used to it. You're just going to be like, well, this is different. Um, but yeah, the second, third sip. Now you've kind of have a point where you're where you're good, where you're you're coming coming to where the whiskey's trying to bring you.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm there. I might even pour a little bit more because why not? What are you feeling about what are What are you feeling about your pour? What's going on over there?
1: So a red breast is it, it's, I I particularly like this because it is um it's a it's such a. You know, we talk about smooth drinks and how I think I said on the last show I don't I'm not a big fan of smooth drinks. I want something that's got character to it, uh, and it just comes you know with the territory of drinking whiskey so often. You just want something that captures your interest. And Redbreast is a very smooth drink. It has smooth flavors, but it's not overly sweet. It's got character throughout. It's a lot of that character comes from the uh, from the barrels, uh, and it's just it's just a nice smooth. As in in this case, I mean smooth. There's not a lot of jumping around in flavor. It's not like bourbon that, you know, you get a lot of flavor and then it finishes off or it's not like single malt scotch uh, or many single malt scotches that typically starts off, build up to something in the middle and then roll off into a long finish. The Red Breast is a really well-balanced drink for me because it starts off at a certain point of flavor. You, you get hit with flavor right away. It's not a lot. It's not, you know, over the top. It's just a smooth level of flavor and that flavor carries through, but it changes... Slowly through your tasting, so you you have a sip and you kind of get the sweetness, and then um, and the silky smoothness, but then that that spiciness comes through from that reused oak, and then you kind of have this nice long finish, and the sugars, and you know we're not talking about real sugars, we're just talking about the what flavors we associate to sugar. Uh, those vanilla notes kind of wave wave away gently into the into the past, so they overall, it just tells such a nice story, and it's a very smooth you know, even keel, but interesting story. Um, so, I mean, you know, if, if you're, you know, maybe this is like Margaret Atwood of whiskey. I don't know. I, I don't know what author I'd compare it to. Not a Stephen King. Not a Stephen King.
0: That's so funny. I think you just described that way better than I ever could. Like, that was a very romantic description of a whiskey. I, I I'm glad say, that's on tape. I'm glad that tape. What am I, like, from 1982, it's on uh, tape. Uh, I'm glad you I'm glad you have it recorded because I think you should use that exact description in your next book. I think that was great
1: you know I, I, I it's funny I a lot of the whiskey uh, tasting notes I've done uh, were I do that way um, in my head and I often try to write that down um, but I didn't want to do it in the book because I felt like it was gonna be it wasn't a whiskey review book primarily so I didn't want to get into. Having gigantic tasting notes, and I also want to make them approachable. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, in the book I do the the Hibiki. I think it was the Hibiki Twenty One that I had, which I really loved. I, I had I went on and on about it. I, I and I made a whole, you know, the, my my just raw copy and pasted my tasting notes into the book, and um, still such a great experience. And uh, you know, a good whiskey should tell a good story.
0: You're absolutely right. I, I like that a lot, and I think that's why bourbon maybe appeals to me so much is that like that blast of flavor is just so huge that it's it I yeah it's it's overwhelming it's so great I'm getting all romantic about it now too
1: (laughs) no it's true bourbon you're 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 boom you have flavor you want a flavor you got got it it. you got it Yeah. yeah, I think so. Irish whiskey is an interesting industry because um, I feel they do. There are some parallels between Ireland and Canada, not necessarily from the amount of whiskey produced, because Canada certainly makes a lot more whiskey, and not um, not from the standpoint of how it's made, because Canadian whiskey is made differently. But it is from the standpoint of it's an industry that um, primarily depended on a couple of distilleries to make all the whiskey. So you know, uh, Middleton and uh, Bushmills were the two big distilleries, and there's a big difference. Uh, Bushmills. Is 100% uh, uses 100% malted barley, whereas um, Middleton uh, does combination of malted and unmalted. But you know, a lot of the other brands depend on these few distilleries to make their whiskey. But that's changing. A lot of new distilleries are are being built right now, and really, we're in such an infant stage with Irish whiskey. I feel, even though it's like the biggest, the longest Irish produced uh, Irish the longest whiskey producer in the world, uh, we are literally changing. There's all these new distilleries that are coming up, and as we know. A distillery isn't gonna really produce its best product until, you know, it has had six, seven, eight, nine, ten years to mature that whiskey and to perfect their process and to get better and better. So I feel like it's such an early stage in Irish whiskey, even though they've been around for so long. Um, but just like in Canada, they most of their business has been on Jameson and Bushmills. Uh just like in Canada, Canadian Club and, and you know, Crown Royal were our big, you know, big producers. Um, they, they're not in that craft scene yet, where, or they're just getting into that craft scene where you have in the U.S. where you have the, you know, either the big distilleries making craft whiskey, making, making small batch whiskey, making more interesting, flavorful whiskey that they charge more money for. I know saying craft bourbon is a bad thing these days, <laughs> um, but you get the idea. They, they get into these other um, – they're, they're not there yet. Um, but the whiskey that they're making is amazing. Uh, Redbreast Twelve is fantastic. I've had the Redbreast Twelve Cast Strength. I've had the Fifteen. I had the uh, Twenty One. They're all ridiculously good.
0: Is Irish whiskey going to be the next bourbon? Like, is this what's going to happen? Like, are we are we cycling through? Uh, this is actually a bigger question. Uh, as drink consumers, uh, are like, on the grand scale of things, is is whiskey sort of... It's coming up to maybe the point where it's so huge. It's, it's huge right now, bourbon especially. It almost mm-hmm. feels like, in the grand scheme of things, like vodka had its time, um, and whiskey sort of came up, um, and... And then within whiskey, you've got all the different kinds of whiskeys that are sort of making the rounds. And then what, like, what's coming next? Are we going to stay in whiskey? Do we think we're, most people are going to move on to something else? Like, I heard somewhere that gin is going to be the next big thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and is whiskey going to be able to, like, they're cranking out stuff 24-7. Are, are we going to be set up for, do you think, a big surplus? And then people have moved on to gin. Like, how do we How do we even anticipate all this stuff? It seems kind of crazy. Um, is everyone... Now they're, they're cranking out bourbon 24-7 because bourbon is super hot right now. But by the time it gets ready, is everyone yeah. going to be moved on to London dry gin? And that's... That, that bourbon is just going to be... I mean, I'll drink it. I, I, <laughs> I won't go away from it. I'll, I'll be there. But I'm just wondering... <laughs> what it's it's gonna mean um yeah To maybe it's it's it'll be really interesting to see what happens people are very fickle um and trends come and go um and i think that uh, i'm only slightly i'm slightly concerned that there's going to be this this sort of move movement away from whiskey again um Mm -hmm. and that hopefully that doesn't mean that all the cool stuff that's coming up will just sort of get dropped for the next thing. I don't know. I don't know. Just no, a th- weird thought out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, it uh, it's definitely possible because they're increasing their production now. If you look at Scotland, um, single malt scotch sales have dropped 5% last year and they dropped the year before as well. Ooh. So, you know, you already see a decline in Scotland and I mean, they you know you could argue that uh scotch whiskey has really you know been pushing the envelope for so they have been pushing the envelope for so many years and then they reached a point where the supply and the demand it just couldn't match that demand and so they started releasing the, those no way statement whiskeys they've started you know you know, they, they started just, you know, they, they were literally selling gold for the longest time. They were just like, whatever, we can sell whiskey, we make good whiskey, we can sell it. And the challenge was from other countries was to make something better and more interesting. And when you're the market leader and you have all these other countries going after you, they are going to make something more interesting. And then you've had, you know, bourbon catch on. And, of course, bourbon prices are going through the roof. And bourbon's demand is, is exceeding, you know, is exceeding supply. And you have... Um, you have, you know, Japanese whiskey also going through a lot of this process really quickly. You look at um, some of the Japanese whiskey now is going no age statement as well. They're taking their 12-year-old aged whiskey, and they can't meet demands anymore. So now they're going no way statement. Um, then you have, you know, Ireland, which, you know... It, A lot of, you know, uh, Jim Murray's Whiskey Bible is credited a lot for the, you know, this is the reason why I hear about Japanese whiskey all the time. I'm always asked, hey, what do you you think about Japanese whiskey? And it's because Jim Murray said it's the best whiskey in the world. One of, you know, the Yamakaze 2013, et cetera, et cetera, was labeled as the best uh, whiskey in the world, Uh, which is funny because he released that last year, but the whiskey was released in 2013. So it's really a whiskey from a couple of years ago. But because of that, the sales went through the roof. You have a scenario here where uh, Scotch is perceived as as not meeting those standards anymore. And then you have all these new players coming in and selling whiskey and selling really delicious whiskey at a great price point. You know, we talked about last, last week's show bourbon. Amazing. Um, and I think Irish whiskey is going to be there. I think Irish whiskey has that capability. My biggest, um, my biggest pro for Irish whiskey right now is, um, Mark Raynor. Now Mark uh, Raynor is behind the Briclati name, uh, Really, I won't go into the story too long, uh, but Brooklady is a distillery that was closed down in the '90s, and he, uh, and just you know it was, it was a distillery that that suffered through the economic crisis. It just never it, it stopped making whiskey. And he eventually, through you know, a, literally a decade of going to them, wanting to buy them, eventually they said yes and built up this fantastic team of, of of people to make whiskey. And instead of instead of um, modernizing all the equipment, they threw out all the somewhat modern equipment, and they replaced it with more uh, traditional equipment to make whiskeys and started making, you know, the Borglottis, one of my favorite distilleries, they do a really great job with that. Now you have him, Mark Rayner, you know, eventually when the company was sold, he left the company and he's going to Ireland and he's going to make Irish whiskey. He bought a distillery in Ireland. Oh boy. Now, how great is that? I mean, whatever product he makes is going to be an immediate success story because he's got such a Name with him, but I mean, he's also has that reputation of building a quality making quality whiskey. Now, he's not a whiskey maker, he's uh, but he has a reputation of, of you know focusing on quality, and that's great,
0: that's very cool. And when I think about this, I think it's it must be so hard, sort of. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but whiskey seems to be the one sort of competitor in the spirits market that really really takes has to take its time like there's nothing really you can do to speed it up yeah you can blend it but if you want to sell a 23 year old bourbon or an 18 year old scotch or whatever you really do you have to give it that time and people are willing to pay money for those age statements um but this isn't really an issue if you're going if you're looking at vodka distillers or gin i don't know a lot about rum um but it seems like whiskey sort of has the 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 bad end of the deal um, in competition because whatever the trends are, it's not like they're going to be able to just jump up and and figure it out and go for it. It's it has to be it has to take time. So yeah. they have got to they've got to almost anticipate. Which how can you ever really? properly anticipate anything like I never would have you know any person who sort of loves spirits would they have anticipated sourpuss apple martinis I don't know but (laughs) but but it it sounds like you know whiskey sort of has the the short end of the stick on that one the the raw end of the deal and just hope yeah it sounds like they're in a tough spot right now um and so you can just hope that you know the quality and and everything sort of stays the same regardless of the age statements. This is a very controversial thing on Twitter. The no age yes, statements stuff. I, I I can't. I I just don't. I It's intimidating the conversations because there's so many really smart whiskey people that know their stuff really really well, and and they're going you know they're going toe to toe about. No age statements.
1: Since- I, I don't think it's. Um, I don't think there's a lot to it in terms of you know the argument. I think the argument is is going to go round and round in circles because you either have had bad experience with no age statement whiskeys, or you've had good experiences with no age statement whiskeys, or you have a combination of both. And I think I come from the standpoint I've had a combination of both. I've had good and bad experiences. I've had mm-hmm. distilleries that you know put in an excellent product um, that. Feel that they're freed by not having age statements, and they could put on a delicious product and not have to worry about how old the casks are. And that's, you know, and that's great. And then you have distilleries that are really just producing product because they need to meet demand, and they're trying to tweak the formula. I mean, if, if I was going to pick on anybody, I'd probably pick on Talisker, which is you know a really great distillery and has a great history, but they. Started producing these different versions of Noe Statements. They would have marketing terms, sort of like Dark Storm, and then they would have, you know, they would have all these other releases that they'd come out with Noe Statement whiskeys. And I'm not a big fan of those whiskeys because I don't think they've got that character. They feel marketed and produced to sell me whiskey and not to give me an interesting experience. But then on the other hand, you've had Brooklady, which, you know. They do have some noise-statement whiskey. They also have the Octomore, which technically is an eight-statement whiskey. It says it's five years on the bottle. It's just in very tiny writing. Um, but they've managed to create a really young, delicious whiskey that also costs a lot of money. And I think that's the problem. I think ultimately it wouldn't matter if um, if these noise-statement whiskies were cheaper, but the outrage comes from the noise-statement whiskeys being more expensive
0: oh okay i understand it better it's hard in 140 characters right trying to get mm-hmm. something <laughs> trying to get something out of a twitter discussion um that you're sort of just you know popping in on every once in a while just to see how it's going um okay so that's a good explanation i i understand a little bit better what's happening right now okay hey yeah yeah
1: no and i mean i think you know and also a lot of distilleries will um will, will get a lot of flack for it. But, you know, I mean, it goes back to supply and demand. Um, we, we do. There's just so much demand for whiskey. The, this is almost, you know, the market would almost naturally decide this because if they're not producing the whiskey that's as good as what it was previously, then those products aren't going to sell as well. And we're, we're literally seeing that with scotch. We're literally seeing sales numbers going down. So, you know, and, and I don't think anybody can make the correlation that that's because of noise statement whiskey from Scotland. But I think the competition for quality whiskey is so heavy that Scotland needs to produce a quality product. And cutting corners or, you know, selling a lesser product at a higher price point is not going to be an ultimate success point for them. Which does worry me because we've seen that with vodka. Vodka was sold, you know, also just easy and easy sell anywhere. And then they started making flavored vodka, and somehow that didn't just that didn't work out. No, it did um, not. For, it was a disaster. No. It was a disaster. I mean, it, it, it was the whole toothpaste problem where they had every single flavor and people didn't know what they wanted to buy. And like the first time they released flavor vodka, everybody loved it. And then they released like eight more flavors and people were like, I don't like all these flavors.
0: Well, it got a little, it got a little out of control when I saw the Fruit Loops flavored vodka. I was like, This. Yeah, this are is, where are we? Who am I? What, what realm is this that this is okay? Who are you
1: selling to? Exactly. Yeah, who um, are you selling to? Uh, and so we we are seeing a bit of that at whiskey, even in the states we're seeing the you know maple flavored honey flavored whiskey that you know is ridiculously sweet it's it's so oh, yeah. unpleasant i it's I, very I,
0: unpleasant I'm,
1: no not a yeah.
0: fan not a fan
1: so I mean you know i mean the 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 industry will argue say well that that's New customers they're, they're going after university students. They're going after a younger demographic. Those are new customers that are going to eventually drink whiskey. But I, I don't know how you start with that sweet, honey-flavored vodka that's like 35% alcohol still and has so just so much sweetness on it and go towards sipping whiskey. I just don't know how you make that transition. Well, it doesn't
0: even seem like it's a – like if you have a, like a maple-flavored bourbon – um it's not it's not bourbon, it's like a liqueur. it doesn't uh-huh. it for me it doesn't translate like one they're they're going down two separate paths like like any bourbon with flavoring is not a bourbon. it's flavored whiskey. it's a liqueur, it's a mixer. it's something to get you drunk as far as I'm concerned. I'm a kind of a purist when it comes to bourbon, so I mean. Some people like it, but I I don't think they like it like they would like a whiskey. They like it because it gets some trash and it's sweet and it covers up the flavor of alcohol. And so much of enjoying whiskey is is the alcohol, that 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 sort of warm heat that comes from it and and like confronting it instead of masking it. So I had my moment with Fireball too. I think we all did back in university. It happens. But I think that when I really started getting into spirits, the, the whole idea of learning about what's in your glass and instead of using it as a vessel to, there was a change, like instead of use it, it, of it being a vessel to get, to forget, you know, failing your whatever psychology 101, you... You start to think about what it is that you drink, and maybe that's just because I like spirits and I, I want to learn more about them. But I think it's harder to just knock back. And we sort of talked about this last week. We knock back whatever it is in your glass. If you sort of think about it a little bit and understand where it comes from and understand why it's so cool, and it's really hard to do that when you're when it's covered up with that sweet sugary yucky, like, mess of a whiskey, in, like, air quotes. Like, it's just not, yeah. I mean, I sound pretty judgmental right now. Like, if you like flavored whiskey, do you. It's fine. But for me, it is not an experience that I'm I'm content in dabbling in at this point. There's so much more cool stuff to know about whiskey and so much to to like enjoy about it that i don't know and just i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not all about that
1: i think one of the problems too is the way they're marketing this whiskeys and you see this with i think pretty much every brand i'm looking at the photo of the knob creek sorry the knob creek smoked apple bottle of whiskey it's 45 percent alcohol oh it is it is um it, it's 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 definitely a thing and it's it's smoked apple, and in the, on the bottle it says Knob Creek Smoked Apple Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey with natural flavors, small batch, patiently crafted.
0: So, now, so, I I've actually seen the like they have a maple one too, and I'm I'm confused by the fact that they can call it Kentucky Straight Bourbon. I they're they're sidestepping I think some rules here that. You're not allowed to add any kind of flavoring to Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, but if you call it Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey with flavoring, that must somehow circumvent the law.
1: Right, because it's um, the argument that they're going to make, the argument that a distiller would make, and I'm completely theorizing here, but I'm assuming the argument that they're going to make is that it is Kentucky straight bourbon. It's just other things have happened after. And so there, or they can. Some I've seen some bottles that say Kentucky Straight Bourbon Mash. So saying, yeah, the mash was Kentucky Straight Bourbon. It was da 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 da, you know. But we've done things afterwards to it. And you're right. I, I yeah, by saying with natural flavors, they've completely made that first statement irrelevant because it's like saying this is a hundred percent pure whiskey. And then we added flavor to it to make it taste so sweet. And then why bother having, it say, small batch and patiently crafted? What's the point? Yeah. No, no. It, it's, it's so you know. I mean, we're, we're picking up. Uh, we're picking on Knob Creek, but it's. Not I love just, Knob Creek. But right, it's not. It's not a Knob Creek problem. It's a, this is an industry wide problem. Every um, every single distillery is doing this. Um, mm-hmm. Every single one of them. So we're picking a Knob Creek, but they're just—you know—we're just using that to demonstrate a, a bigger problem that's uh, prevalent with all the big distilleries.
0: I also think it's um, what is the the end result here is to mask the alcohol so people drink more, mm-hmm. which I think is probably not the way to go. I mean, it's going to happen when you're like of a certain age and like you just out partying with your friends and stuff but I always just sort of I guess marketing is a really funny thing and it's tricky and Mm -hmm. you want to market to certain people that you're not necessarily supposed to market to so you do it in a way where you can't really be called out too much for it like you can say like well we're not we're creating this for this kind of drinker or that kind of drinker, but nobody's going to say like, we are creating this to get university students like ham boned on a Friday night. But that is the purpose of it. I don't think we're supposed to enjoy this drink. I think we're supposed to enjoy our whiskey, but I'm not sure. I mean, there is not enough of us in the world that we could carry all these distilleries. So I guess they got to do something.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. I mean, it it is a it is a big growth market for uh, the bourbon industry, and they are getting new customers they wouldn't otherwise reach. I also think they're probably getting a lot of customers that are just maybe casual whiskey drinkers and be like, hey, I like smoked maple, or you know, I like honey, I I like you know, I like all these other flavors. Let me pick that up, and they may just buy it and never drink it again, or buy it Uh, once, yeah. Yeah, because if you're, if you're, I mean, you know, we're we're taking it from a point of view of whiskey enthusiasts, but if you take it from a point of view of a, you know, just a shopper that's looking for, you know, that, that Knob Creek bottle looks great, smoked maple, it looks really tasty. I have to say, you know, all my criticisms aside, I stare at this bottle I'm like, wow, I do want some of this. It's smoked maple in a Knob Creek. I, like, right. how can you possibly go wrong? And still Kentucky straight bourbon. What amazing! And it's been patiently crafted. Like, give me this now. <laughs> So I it's I've been staring at this picture for too long. I'm closing down the window.
0: <laughs> well, I think I'm just the, like, I think the word smoked really appealed to you. That's your like that's your word. It's like if I is. had to like pick a word to describe you in your drinking habits, I would say smoked or smoky or anything that has to do with that flavor. That is your jam. Yeah. They got you on that one word right there.
1: That you're absolutely right. It's like mm, smoked. smoked. I want some of that smoked whiskey. I want some whiskey. of that
0: smoky. Like I want some of those smoky flavors. Like give them to me. And then you try it, and you're like, no, nah, that's not exactly what I was thinking about.
1: Yeah, and you know, and you're you're right. Yeah, I think you made a you made a really excellent point. You're, which is, we shouldn't care because it's not marketed towards us, and there's not enough of us to carry the market. So. If Jim Bean and Buffalo Trace and all these other guys are making profits and money doing that stuff and they can still make us the delicious whiskey we like, then we shouldn't care.
0: That's right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, if they're starting to replace our whiskeys with flavor whiskeys or, you know, then we'll have something to say about it. But I think if, you know, if you can do what you can do and keep yourself going and then, you know, continue to make good stuff and appeal to the whiskey enthusiast's um, at the same time, then, like, you know, why not? These are big companies. They can they can afford to put the smoked maple in another room.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, yeah. Just don't
0: let it touch my whiskey.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't, don't, just make sure you clear out all the pipes before you uh, yes, exactly. add our whiskey to there. That's yes,
0: exactly right. Yes, I agree. Yeah, but the vodka thing was a total disaster.
1: It, it is, and that's my only real concern. My only real concern is I, I feel they're devaluing the brand that I think that they should be pushing more. Uh, But, you know, on the other hand, um, these bigger distilleries are fighting for uh, proper aging uh, of whiskey because... A lot of craft whiskey makers and new distilleries are looking at ways to really accelerate aging by adding wood chips to the barrels and you know doing anything they could possibly can to age a whiskey for two or three years. They're using smaller barrels, um, like much smaller barrels, for more wood contact. And they're using all these strategies to age that whiskey in two years instead of eight years. And the big distilleries are standing up against that. The big distilleries are saying, hey, no, we need to age this for eight years. We need to have those big, uh, big barrels. And I haven't tasted enough of these craft smaller aged whiskeys to have a you know completely informed opinion um, but it does sound like they aren't reaching that level of complex flavors from that steady lengthy maturity that we're used to in our in our whiskey so i mean this is probably more of an american thing because in america that's allowed whereas in scotland and ireland that wouldn't be allowed you wouldn't be allowed to add wood chips for accelerated aging but um, it is something that's happening in the U.S., and it is an example of how the distilleries probably because it benefits their point of view, but also probably because it is making better whiskey to take that time and and everything else. It, it is increasing their, you know, they are taking a stand against ways of maturing whiskey faster. They may not necessarily be as delicious.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, so, and I... Actually, when we saw um, Ken Pierce in the seventeen ninety two Barton Distillery um, yesterday, and he said that people who make bourbon don't like change. Um, uh-huh. He just he was like kind of joking and off the cuff and and sort of making a joke out of it, like a little nudge nudge. Um, but I mean, he's right. Like there's a reason why it is what it is and why. Why it's so dependable and why it's so consistent and why you can go and buy a nice bottle. Well, in the states, I was gonna say buy a nice bottle of bourbon for 15 bucks, but that is not a thing here. We do not mm-hmm. have prices like that here. So if you bought a nice bottle in the states for 15 bucks, you better believe we're paying 35 for it. So, um, but I mean, I think the integrity is part of what makes bourbon such an appealing whiskey um and it's good that that people are sort of taking a stand against that that
1: yeah th- this was uh, this was ken pierce from uh bart barton's uh distillery he's the uh, whiskey maker and brand ambassador there R- really a great guy very enthusiastic about whiskey loves his 1792 i mean he 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 glows about that whiskey, and, and you know, deservedly so, as though it was his firstborn. That's uh, he he hugs that whiskey and enjoys it and loves it and loves talking about it. Uh, really, uh, it was great to meet Ken Pierce yeah. yesterday.
0: I really liked him and I really like his whiskey. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 um it's always nice to meet the the distillers. I remember maybe I'll probably talk about this on every podcast because I love it so much. But meeting Jimmy Russell, which, walking into Wild Turkey. And he was just sitting there in the front, like store area, just chit chatting, and <laughs> I had a good like twenty minute conversation with him. And he loves his whiskey, and he um, is super, just a cool guy, super casual and super delightful, and um, just a a really down to earth, nice guy. And I mean, whiskey is their love. They're not. They're not there for. They're there to make good product, um, and they're always proud of it, and it's it's really nice to see. And he was, Ken Pierce was just a, another example of that. He was so delightful. And, um, yeah, but I think he hit the nail on the head when he said, people who like bourbon don't like change.
1: <laughs> you know, and, um, yeah, I mean, J- Jimmy Russell is a good example. He um, dislikes flavored whiskey, but very politically states, Hey, you know this is what the clients want. This yeah. is what we're making them, and uh, but he will then continue on to make his uh, Russell's Reserve uh, Ten, which I such a great whiskey and so variations great. of that, um, just delicious bourbon, you know. And yeah, absolutely the thing. So Ken Pierce was really nice. Uh, Ken Pierce was really nice. Um, we so we should explain. Yesterday we went on our version of the. Happy Van Winkle Hunt We had an event Thrown by our Lovely government The LCBO Or the The um, the Government arm That sells liquor To us They allowed us To buy dinner tickets For $125 each Where we were Had a tasting Of four different Whiskies One of them was a, a Van Winkle Lot B And we had The opportunity To fill out An order form Which uh, we could Include uh, How much whiskey We wanted to order And we will then find out on Saturday whether or not that we're going to get that whiskey because of those limited quantities. But anybody at the dinner is likely going to get a whiskey because uh, they, they basically had, I guess, one and a half bottles of Van Winkle in various forms uh, for every person there.
0: So good. I mean, good but not, I guess. You know, it's... um. It's an interesting system, for sure. I, if I did, I almost didn't get tickets to that event. Um, but I kind of, at the last moment, like, I, I was thrown a life raft, a life preserver, and I ended up get going. But I was sort of, it would be really, really hard to, like, essentially we paid $125 for a maybe chance to yeah. buy this whiskey. Which in and of yeah. itself is bothersome and but there are a lot of bourbon lovers out there that maybe wanted to get their hands on some Pappy van winkle and they couldn't get tickets which means they literally had zero chance of getting their hands on something
1: Uh, i was like it was a fun event Um, Ken pierce talked at it yeah
0: yeah it was fun it was fun i mean it's a whole it's a whole drama-rama and as much as people talk about uh van winkle and and i've had it and it's it's really good i mean it is definitely the 15 for me is top five um, but it's, I mean, there's a lot of other whiskeys out there that were super great. It's, it's like an ego thing, I think. I'm probably going to get a lot of angry tweets about that. But I think that, that there's something about having a pappy in your collection. It's me too. Like, I, I'm not exempt from this thing. I want a pappy in my collection and I'll drink it. But I also just want one on my shelf because... Not everybody gets to have one on their shelf so it it is like for me it is a bit of an ego thing so Mm -hmm. but i can kind of let that go i'm just expecting nothing i'm expecting zero and i'm and and hope hopefully something will come through but i'm not it will be fine i will survive i've survived without pappy up until now i will survive if there is no pappy for me on saturday
1: so, I'm actually kind of curious, What uh, not just kind of, I'm actually uh, curious, what uh, Irish whiskey are you going to be serving at your event?
0: I am serving Bushmills, just like Grandpa drank. I'm serving Rider's Tears, what I had, serving Redbreast 12 that you had, and I have got a Jameson Select reserve.
1: Um, all very well rated whiskeys. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm going to start with the Bushmills. I'm going to see, I'm going to start off with the uh, Grandpa Drink. The one that uh, I sort of did that last time with the same group. I did bourbons and I sort of wanted to give them something that they might recognize or that they might be surprised about or that they would sort of been around but maybe never thought about it when they were drinking it. So. Um, it will be probably the one that they are most familiar with of of all of them other than the Jameson, but I'm not sure any of them like have had the select. Um, it's not a group of whiskey people, so Mm -hmm. I can pretty much, you know, I can pretty much guess like whatever is sort of in the the repertoire of casual drinkers will be something that they will have had and something that's a little outside of it. Like the Jameson select will be, it is a select reserve, right? I'm not crazy. Yeah. yeah, That's that's, what it's called. Okay, good. Um, and the Writer's Tears and the Red Breast 12 won't be something that they're as familiar with. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be, it'll, it's going to be a really fun uh, tasting. It's going to be really fun for me. I've got a lot to brush up on. Um, so, yeah, I I mean, I hope they like it. I hope they're not like, what is this? So some of the people with the bourbon, they were like, yeah, no, we can't, we can't, we can't do this. They're just not whiskey oh. drinkers at all. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, you know, you're gonna—it's gonna be a good tasting because, because the uh, Bushmills 10 is gonna be more like a single malt Scotch, and then the rest are um, are triple distilled. They're gonna be more focused on the wood. It, it'll be a nice, yeah. um, and you got a, co- a nice combination of pot still and it's, it's, uh, it's a good tasting. You know, um, well, you were at the tasting a couple weeks ago. I had this uh, bar. There was seventy some people there, and it was really, you know, it's always challenging when you do those kind of events to keep everybody's attention. And uh, Irish whiskey, I think, was my number third do. Drink and I just remember saying Irish whiskey and somebody was like, "Yeah, Irish whiskey," and then just random clapping. So, oh good, if, okay. If, if there's any tips I can give you, is just say if, if people start losing interest, just say Irish whiskey like you're drunk, and people just like, yeah.
0: "Yeah, awesome, yeah, yeah, yeah." Okay, that's good advice. I like that. I'm gonna just get really pumped about it, and uh, you know, hopefully, no one will do a shot out of my Glencairn glasses. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh yes, yeah. so I was at a whiskey tasting. I, I was doing a private corporate event, and um, a guy was uh, the the event bought a bunch of books and I was signing them for people that were at the event. And um, I had a guy's like, "Oh, can you sign this for my future father-in-law?" I'm like, "Sure." So he told me the story of how his future father-in-law, uh, when his younger daughter got married a, year, a few years before, he was saving this single malt scotch from McAllen. It was 30 years old. It was a special bottling, so it's like a barrel that you could you would only buy this bottle of whiskey in scotland you wouldn't it would never come to canada or the u.s it was just one of those like very special reserve you know we bottled this one barrel um it really is you know probably cost nothing when he bought well not nothing probably didn't cost as much when he bought it many years ago but costs uh, would have been worth a lot of money today especially and um so he's you know making a toast and you know his there's the uh the the bride is there and the groom is there and the the wedding party's there so you've got a you know combination of men and women and um so he pours everybody a you know a bit of a sip and he's talking about his daughter and and you know his future son-in-law just before the wedding and he's getting teary-eyed he's just you know like he's his eyes and he's a tough guy he's a tough guy that does not cry he's getting teary-eyed and he's talking about it and he's like anyway you know to bride and groom long lift da 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 raises the glass and takes a soft sip, enjoying this this beautiful whiskey that he's been saving for this moment. And three of the people in the groom, uh, three of the grooms just went, boom, shoot it, and shot the whiskey.
0: Oh my, <laughs> I would lose my mind.
1: And, and, and so as he tells it, it's like he was teary-eyed before that, but then he saw because he's just like enjoying his sip and he's just savoring this, this whiskey. Moment. And then, oh. And then he's, you know three group members they were probably all in their 20s or doesn't matter what age you are they're just probably like it's whiskey we shoot it oh, and um, oh. you know what I bet you they said I'm like man this is okay but that Knob Creek smoked maple now that's some good stuff they were like screw, <laughs> screw this stuff I mean yeah it's alright but give me some Knob Creek <laughs> no I you know it really uh, it really was an amazing uh, it's just where's the retelling the, of that story
0: the Fruit Loop vodka <laughs>
1: <laughs> give us some vodka why are we shooting this old stuff
0: oh man. Man, that is a frankly that is a devastating story. Oh man! As a whiskey lover, yeah, it's very yeah. upsetting. Oh man, that's so funny.
1: Um, we uh, we made a statement last on the last podcast that was completely wrong.
0: Oh no! What did we say? That sounds impossible. <laughs> well, I, I, first
1: of all, it's <laughs> completely impossible. Well, first of all, I got the name of the product. I was saying nice, uh, uh, nice, ice Kid. It's actually called Neat, which I did correct in the show notes, which was great. But the bigger mistake is we were we you you actually said you were like you know it's it's tough living in Ontario, but it's not so bad because we can get our Elmer teely oh, no. whiskey. Please, we and can't
0: talk about this right
1: now. No, we can't. Ha- we have to talk about this. We <laughs> have to talk about this. You, you were like you know, but we can get these rare whiskeys that will sell out at the in Kentucky right away, and but we get them in Canada. And um, so we're we're doing an interview. We're we're there with the distributor for Buffalo Trace and with uh, Ken Pearson. We're we're talking. We're doing a formal interview with these guys. And I just happen to be like, oh yeah. So uh, when's uh, when's Elmer T Lee coming in? Jamie, would you like to relive, relive this experience no. for us? No. No. <laughs> but you have to. You have to just just. I, I know it just happened yesterday, so it's a very raw emotion. But um, I feel you need to re- she, just. She said it'd be therapeutic.
0: She said it's not.
1: No, no. That's not what she said. Oh, what did she say? What did she say? Never? She said never. It's never coming back to the LCBO. I tried to
0: block it out.
1: You you actually did. You must have, like, it was such a pain. You literally must have blocked it out because her exact words were like, oh, it's never coming back. And she said it so casually as though she was talking about Cherry Coke or New Coke. Oh, it's never coming back. We were both, but Jamie, you especially, were... Clearly, this has been a very dramatic, traumatic because it, it didn't go anywhere. It was just like, but what, what do you mean never? Um, maybe one day? I, I did one of those, like, maybe one day. She's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess one day. It seems, like
0: it, it just seems so, I mean, pardon my rant because I'm actually very troubled about this because we already have it hard enough here in Ontario getting our hands on some some stuff to be honest i would rather have more to choose from and less of that than the same 10 brands always in stock give Uh me variety over quantity any day but just keep like if you're going to release elmer t once a year release it once a year and that's fine and release as many bottles as you can but I mean, it just seems, it's so, like, I'm literally pouting over here. Like, I'm just, I could whine and whine about this all day. I'm super bummed. I love Rock Hill Farms, too. It's not coming back. Elmer T. Lee is not coming back. This is a disaster, as far as I'm concerned. We already have too little to choose from to say we're going to bring in extra Eagle Rare. I love Eagle Rare. I'm a big fan of Eagle Rare. But to tell, like... Oh, we're bringing in extra eagle rare and we're getting rid of you know two other brands that to me is heartbreaking especially when it's so good and i i mean what they said was the there literally isn't enough to meet the demand in the united states and in canada Mm -hmm. if that's the truth then fine i get it but i if it's if it's we want to guarantee that we're going to sell this product and people buy, you know, what it is that we're bringing in. So we're just going to cut out all the other brands that sell. Okay. Maybe amongst the enthusiasts, but not amongst the general public. Then we're going to go for general public and get rid of all the, the, you know, extra bells and whistles. Um, then I'll be really mad because (laughs) it's, it's, it's really hard being a, a bourbon person and, and, and probably like I don't buy a lot of single malt scotch. Um, but I, we're so limited already. Just give us something, some little dribs and drabs here and there. But that was a disappointing. Like that was, that was pretty devastating.
1: A lot of the best products any country produces generally stay in house, right? Generally stay indoors. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, indoors. They generally stay within the country. So I think Elmer T Lee has reached that point where. Um, It's that product you go to Kentucky and get. It's not that product that they'll export out. Just like, you know, our our best whiskey is not – generally doesn't go to the U.S. Just like in Scotland, you know, we get a lot of great whiskey from Scotland and North America. But those special bottlings, those – like I mentioned before, the McCallum 30-year-old, that was a single barrel. Those kind of bottlings just would never reach here because – of the distribution issues and complexity of selling it, whereas why, why bother selling it to the North American market where you can just sell that at the distillery or sell that at a couple of local stores that will, will sell whiskey. And Elmer T. Lee has gone from being a whiskey that wasn't very well known uh, but very well liked to being a whiskey that was loved and to being a whiskey that's developed as notoriety for being an amazing whiskey, which it so deserves at such a great price point. And now it's at that point where, while the U.S. is like, eh, this is ours now because this is so good. This is one of our better products. We're keeping it. Uh, and, and you know, we had Elmer T. Uh, Jamie and I co-hosted uh, whiskey tasting at a, a local bar, and we had Elmer Tea as part of the tasting. Um, I haven't had it in the house for a year and a half. Uh, I, I drink it occasionally when I go to bars. Um, and it, it is really a f- fabulous drink for that price point it's so good um and what i love about it i think it's the kind of bourbon that a scotch drinker will enjoy because it's not over the top in any flavor it's just a nice balance of flavors and it works really well it does it's not too sweet it's not too spicy it just has this perfect mix now um Jamie, you probably know more about this than I do. Um, where does, what makes Elmer T special? Does it come from a special part of the warehouse? Is that what it is?
0: Yeah, it comes from a, a special part of the warehouse. So, El, so Elmer T, Lee used to, to pick his own barrels himself. Um, and so it's basically the, the barrels from a specific warehouse, I don't remember which one, that live up to Elmer's expectations. It's a single barrel product, but Yeah. I mean, yeah. the disappointment is real. It's it's um it's a big big bummer for me um, that fewer brands are gonna and I guess you know the bourbon shortage is a real thing and we're suffering some of the consequences of it right now. So boo yeah. hiss that was that was a hard pill to swallow. I was not yeah. happy about that. that
1: yeah, no. I um. I have um, I have an idea. I think we should um, we should start promoting uh, flavored vodka and start um, starting a blog about flavored vodka and just yeah. promote the hell out of it. So people that you know might drink bourbon will be like, ah, I don't know, I've, flavored vodka.
0: I, you know, I mean, maybe they'll never sell out of s'mores flavored vodka. So there's no you know, there's no room for disappointment there. <laughs>
1: s'mores flavored vodka this is a thing i'm not kidding
0: that's an actual there they do make s'mores flavored vodka oh
1: my god it is a thing it is a thing
0: (laughs) it's a thing it's a total thing you have to you have to go to the liquor store and you have to take a good look at it it's really disgusting i mean the
1: bottle is disgusting (laughs) oh i know It, it looks
0: it's just so it's just so bad is-
1: I'm looking at the Three Olives S'mores Vodka. I can't
0: believe you Googled it. I know, I wasn't even making that up. First of all, the fact oh. that it's called Three Olives and then it makes s'mores flavor, like the the two food groups that they just spoke about are do not, they do not coincide. I never want to hear the words olives and s'mores in the same sentence because it just sounds like a terrible, terrible nightmare of food flavors. Not cool, just not
1: cool. Uh- now, well, I, I looked it up. So th- apparently, they uh, they sell it on Amazon. It's gotten one one five star rating and ten um, one star ratings. One one star rating says this vodka is horrifying. My husband and I cannot even smell it without gagging. We need to partially we need to be partially drunk to even take a shot of this just to get rid of the bottle. Oh
0: my gosh! just Dump it down <laughs> the sink.
1: I, I need to read the five-star review because this, uh, okay, the five-star review of the Three Olive S'mores Vodka, it's a 1.75 liter bottle. So, I mean, oh my when they, God. that might break your sink. You may want to dump this down your sink, but it, it may literally just break your sink. Um, it's Skittlepuke. Puke. Um, oh. Wow, talk about puke. Skittle Puke uh, reviewed this from uh, from Amazon. I love this. I first purchased this due to a long-running South Park joke about s'mores schnapps. Granted, it tastes nothing like s'mores. More reminiscent of knockoff, Reese, uh, knockoff Reese's Pieces. However, sometimes about this, something about this pleases me to the core, and it quickly is becoming one of my standard uh, just-pour-over-ice drinks. What? One downfall is that the smell and taste does linger, which my boyfriend constantly complains about. It is wrong on all sorts of level- levels, However, if you have a soft spot for super sweet things, that should not be – if you have a soft spot for super sweet things, that should not be this – you know, it's tough reading people's reviews because yeah, they just – you're trying to correct their grammatical no, mistakes as you're reading, and it's impossible. it's impossible. But the whole idea is uh, Skittle Puke, um, which again, She's I just – this makes so much sense. Um, She's a fan.
0: I hope she doesn't review this podcast.
1: Well <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. One star. I, uh, and this is the only thing she's reviewed in her entire life. So she not only loved the drink so much, she, she loved it, loved it to L. review it. Yeah, oh.
0: she did. She felt really strongly about that. I mean, you know, I guess it takes all kinds. You know, they're, she did. They're, they're, They've created this, and it seems to be like it's, <laughs> it's 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 not just a one time thing. So people are buying it enough for them to continue making it. And <laughs> I just need more information about who thought this was a good idea. If it's who they're marketing. To. Like, obviously, they're marketing it towards 10 year olds. Like, there is no one. I mean, I like s'mores, too. Like, let's not anything wrong. Oh, for. yeah. But this is this is pretty much a travesty of, of, of liquor. I, I, spirits. How, I, too many. Yeah, I, I, I'm just tripping over my words because I'm outraged. I'm outraged that there's no Elmertili, and it's being replaced with vodka that tastes like <laughs> chocolate and marshmallow and graham crackers over a fire. <laughs> this is not okay.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I, I did find, um, as I'm Googling, I, I did find a couple of things that were interesting. Um, one of them is the smor- s'mores uh, martini, um, which actually has s'mores dipped into it instead of an olive in a chocolate martini. Now that might be, you know, that might be all right.
0: Yeah. Um, so anyway,
1: I, I think we should just start promoting s'mores, um, vodka, I, you know, um, three olive s'mores, vodka, just, um, keep drinking that and, and you, uh, don't, don't drink, don't drink.
0: It's $32. Anyway, YouTube, okay, I'm going to stop now. will be as happy as skittle Puke.
1: <laughs> I'm going to stop now because it's $32. $32. That is
0: in the US. ridiculous. Okay, no, done. That's over. That's not gonna
1: yeah. happen. Yeah, no, no. This is that. That's that's up. Yeah. Uh, so, um, is is there is, is there anything else we want to say about Irish whiskey? Um, we got a little. Off. I think we, sh-
0: we got a little off topic there.
1: Just a little bit. <laughs> you know, we we could say so. Irish whiskey is uh, very much uh, made up like uh, so. Irish whiskey is very much l- like as like scotland has a very similar industry where they focus on blended and single malts and then of course we talked about the unmalted and malted combination of whiskeys um they typically reuse american oak uh but they also reuse european oak um and yeah it's it's a very in a lot of ways it's a lot it's a similar drink there are peated whiskeys from scotland there are um most of them are non-peated most of the production-wise are triple distilled, but uh, when you look at the number of distilleries, there's just as many double distilleries. There's at least one that does a peated whiskey. So it is a nice combination of all different sorts of whiskey. It's a whole other country to explore, yeah. um, and especially if you're a single malt scott drinker, it's a great place to go.
0: Yeah, and just like you said, it's sort of making its, its, uh, its resurgence. So it sounds like there's a lot of really exciting things that are about to come out of uh, Irish whiskey that we've got a lot to look forward
1: to. Yeah. And, and, you know, to be fair, um, they are, they they can go two ways with this. They can be, they can go. um, And I mean, they, I I say they in general, because it's a whole industry. So no one distillery is going to define where Irish whiskey goes. It's a statement of whether, what the predominant push will be in whiskey making in Ireland and what they export out. But Um, they can just go with the strategy of like, well, whiskey is big and, you know, we just can just make whiskey and sell it and we'll probably do all right. Or they can go the route of whiskey is big and we should have a unique voice in the whiskey world. And they kind of do, you know, they kind of do with the uh, single pot still. It is unique to, to, to Ireland, but they can go in a direction where they focus on, um, creating a quality whiskey that's going to be different from the others. It's going to be a bigger focus on quality. And if they do, if they do go in that direction, if one distillery goes, a couple of distilleries go in that direction, um, they, they you never know. I mean, single malt scotch sales might continue to drop. Uh, maybe they'll be the next ones to challenge bourbon. Maybe they'll get to that level. It'll take five, seven, ten years because all the new distilleries are just getting started. Um, but let's say, you know, Mark Rainer comes back and he's like, boom, this is Irish whiskey. And comes back with the delicious whiskey. That could be their, you know, uh, that could be their moment where they're number one in in Jim Murray's book or somebody else's rating and they become that whiskey that everybody else goes after. Um, so, yeah, um, if they do it well, uh, and I think they are in the right path, I think they're trying to create standards for their whiskey. Uh, you know, we talked about this before, where, you know, in the U.S. there's bourbon and there's straight bourbon and straight bourbon means there's nothing added to it other than water whereas regular bourbon you might be able to add a little bit of flavoring to it in Scotland single malt scotch says it's 100% malted barley you can't add anything else to it other than water and a touch of caramel um, whereas you know blended um, whiskey from Scotland can have corn and wheat and other, and other things um, they're talking about having standards from Irish whiskey where you will have something like single malt scotch where you will have something like Um, you know uh, higher quality standard controls if they do that if they are able to implement those standards which i think will be easier in ireland only because they already produce products much like they do in scotland they're they're not adding you know they're not adding sugar so they're not they're not going through that already so it should be easier to do Um, they're going to go in the right direction and they're going to there might be the people to challenge bourbon because i think japanese whiskey and bourbon are boom these two industries growing super high um five to eight years, maybe Irish whiskey will not only be a success, because they already are, I mean, they're already a success, this isn't, you know, they're already one of the biggest producers in the world, um, but if they get to that level, they might be producing something even better, and again, as I say that, I don't mean to insult any of the current whiskey there, because uh, there's a lot of great whiskey being produced out of Ireland already, oh, yeah. and, you know, and so it's not to say anything against what's there already, it's just saying, well, let's see where they take it next.
0: Exactly. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and um, you know, in terms of St. Patrick's Day, I guess, I hope everyone has a good one. And please don't throw up on the street outside Mark or my apartment. That would be great, yeah. guys. Um, <laughs> but hope everybody has a very safe and delightful St. Patrick's Day. You won't see me, but I <laughs> wish <wouldn't> you <laughs> and the best all see the me. same. <laughs>
1: No, absolutely. We do have a lot of Irish bars where we live. I think yeah. you know that's 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 the problem. It's just there's an Irish bar in every corner. It seems. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, everybody have an awesome St. Patty's Day, yeah. even if you're staying at home and drinking scotch or bourbon. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I, I would definitely recommend if you're going, uh, if you want to buy something new for your whiskey cabinet, uh, check out what's available from Ireland and have and- something from irish. just just enjoy turn, turn irish whiskey into a sipping whiskey yeah. um and and not a shooting whiskey don't uh don't go after the uh the sipping quality so i, I will make a few recommendations if um if you are buying whiskey let's uh, basically we've talked about red already so much definitely if you can Redbreast 12 is widely available and you can buy that um, if you can find the 1521, the cast strength, go for it. Writer's Tears, Jamie, you're enjoying that? I'm
0: enjoying it very much. I would I would recommend it for sure.
1: Okay. Um, and those, if you want something more of like a single malt, um, anything from the Cooley Distillery that's going to be, uh, many of those are going to be single malt uh, whiskeys. Delicious. Some of them are peated, which is even better. For me. For you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, old Bish. Oh, <laughs> Old Bushmills is um, also really makes great whiskey. I mean, they, they've they've got the standard ten year old. It's actually a really great, uh, really nice whiskey. It's a really nice single malt single malt whiskey. Uh, they do a great job with that. They've they're the longest producing distillery in the world. Um, at one point, they were one of two distilleries in Scotland. Um, the nice thing about Bushmills is during Prohibition and during the tough times when Ireland uh, was going through. Um, a lot of issues themselves. They weren't selling whiskey to the U.S. because they didn't want to participate in, in prohibition. They didn't want to encourage people to break the law. Um, they were also going through trading dis- trade disputes with the U.K. Um, Bushmills was the only distillery that continued to produce whiskey, and they have, so um, they're very dedicated, and definitely they still produce a great product.
0: Yeah, and that's the one that, I, um, that I'm going to present to a group of non- whiskey drinkers, so I'm actually very happy to hear that.